Hi there. A quick message before we start. Don't forget that you can save money this winter when you book your ski hire at intersportrent.com and use the code SKIPODCAST. You'll get a guaranteed discount for all ski hire in France, Austria and Switzerland. And to make it even simpler, you don't even need to use that code. Just take the link in the show notes and your basket will automatically be reduced. So if you want to support the Ski Podcast, remember to book your ski hire within support and to use the code Ski Podcast or take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Right, let's get on with the show. Hi there, listener. My name is Ian Martin and welcome to episode 100 of the Ski Podcast. To be honest, we have over 150 episodes, but this is the 100th regular episode that we've released, uh, plus lots of bonus episodes as well. Now, I've spent many hours chatting with all of the very fascinating people in the ski industry over the last five years while recording these podcasts. But I thought uh, for our 100th episode, I'd make this a little different and give you, listener, a little bit of the story behind the ski podcast. Now, long-time listeners might know that we launched almost five years ago now, back in October 2017. And at the time, I was already listening to loads of podcasts, but the only ski podcasts I could find were based in the States. And I knew uh, Jim Duncan, my co-founder from my previous work with Natives, and I knew he produced at least one podcast. So I asked him if he fancied a new venture. And a couple of weeks later, we recorded the pilot episode, sadly lamenting the cancellation of The Jump. Um, The Jump has sadly been cancelled. It was launched in 2014. Um, I think that was an Olympic year. Um, And it was hosted by Davina McCall. And there was lots of celebrities that took part in it. Um, and essentially it was a, a show, or it still is a show maybe, who knows, <laughs> about um, celebrities who um, went out to a ski resort and they learnt lots of different disciplines. And obviously um, it culminated in them doing a ski jump. There were massive uh, winners of huge celebrities such as Spencer's Ma- Spencer Matthews, Joe McEldry, and uh, uh, I'm sure there's more. Um, and also it attracted some other big names, didn't it, Ian? Uh, it certainly did. I mean, a couple of, at least two Knights of the Realm uh, appeared on the uh, show, so Stephen Redgrave and uh, Sir Brandy Wiggins. That is, yeah, and there was other influences. There was Beth Tweddle as well, I believe. Oh, yeah, Beth Tweddle. She was one of the ones who had, uh, unfortunately, one of the worst uh, injuries. I think she ended up being airlifted to hospital and uh, fractured a couple of vertebrae in her neck when she was on the show. Um, so the, the reason we're talking about it, obviously, um, we're both huge fans of the show, but um, it's slightly old news now, I think. But as this is a new podcast and it's an important topic for anyone who loves skiing, um, that um, it's been axed or not not axed, um, not renewed um, for this current year. Ian, do you know why that was? Do you think you'll have a comment? Yeah, back? well, um, I believe the um, the reason that um, has been put out. Uh, by the uh, production company is that they don't want to conflict with the the Winter Olympics coming up because the Winter Olympics are in February. Uh, That has typically been some of the time that they've been filming and it would make it difficult, so they'd have to uh, put it on a bit later. So they're having a fallow year rather than have it later in the season. However, um, it possibly is a kind of softer way of... um, letting the show kind of disappear um, it has been very expensive to run um, partly because of the uh, actual 
huge amount of money they've had to spend on insurance and medical costs because so many uh, contestants have been injured during the course of the uh, show. So with the viewing figures, you know, slacking over time, even though there have been about 2 million people watching the show on a, on a weekly basis, um, it probably, I think we'll, I'll be surprised if we see the show again. Now, that went well enough to keep going, and I think we built up a good rapport covering anything that piqued our interest, from Ed Sheeran to Genepi to Jim's love of funiculars. I'm pretty excited. I'm, I mean, the skiing doesn't look great, but I'm going to go because it now means I've only been on the second steepest funicular in the world. Also <laughs> the steepest. The steepest is obviously in uh, the Blue Mountains in Australia, in the Katumba uh, Railway. Right, obviously, yeah. I mean, the steepest water one, if you're interested, is in Linton and Limoth down the road from me in North Devon. Uh, I won't bore you. I know a lot about Finicky. Our celebrity coverage started in episode 10 when Jim spilled the beans on Sting. And when the Olympic Games started in Pyeongchang, we bravely decided to produce an episode every day. Uh, I like to think of that as our Hamburg period where we honed our skills. Uh, in reality, we talk randomness about top class athletes. But 15 episodes in as many days undoubtedly tightened up our style. Hello and welcome to day 13 of the Knowledge Powder Olympic podcast. Um, I don't know if, how you're feeling, but I feel Olympic fatigue may be starting yeah, to set in. Yeah, it could be, but um, there's not lot. There's not a lot left now. It's almost over. No, I've, I'm, I'm still enjoying it. It's good. I watched the video. I don't know if you saw it just now. I literally I just uh, came out of the media centre where I saw the um, uh, the shoot-off. Is that what it's called? In the ice hockey between Canada and the USA and the women. Because it was, it was level after normal time, added time, and then they had a penalty shootout. Very exciting. Really, yeah. You really are throwing yourself into this. Aren't well, you? it was on like, you know, while I was preparing okay. uh, for this. And Canada had won 24 times in a row until uh, the USA beat them in the, in the shootout. Just it's exciting. I remember when Chill Factory in Manchester confirmed they'd become our first paying sponsor for the 18-19 winter season. I was out on a holiday in Spain. I can remember exactly where I was at the time when I saw that uh, email. And the money they gave us was nothing compared to the time we were putting in. But at least we weren't doing it completely free uh, anymore. Now, listeners often ask how I decide on content. Uh, the simple rule of thumb is, if it sounds interesting to me, then I tend to include it. So you get things like the increasing number of wolves in the Alps, or drug dealers and ski resorts, or uh, the Aspen ski thief. Derek and his wife were essentially had, over those, say, about 15 years, stolen about 13,000 pairs of skis that was, were bought by the Aspen Skiing Company as part of their retail operation and sold them on eBay. eBay. Uh, this, these 13,000 pairs of skis were paid for $6 million, the Aspen Ski Company paid for them. And then Derek and his wife sold them for about $3.2 million uh, over the course of that period uh, on, on eBay. You know, it's, I mean, I can't help, I know it's wrong, but I can't help smiling when I hear that because it's just outrageous. Exactly. I can't believe you know that everyone would do that. The cherry on top of the whole Sunday is that at the time they were doing this, they billed the ski company for the ski boxes that they sent the stolen skis to their their eBay customers in. 
Now, Jim left the show in August 2020, and at that point, my workload went up as he'd been doing the uh, editing, but it also gave me the opportunity to mix it up and change the format of the show. Uh, we had a lot more special episodes, and one thing I've really stuck with is I've made sure we've had at least one female voice on every episode. Uh, I've also had to learn how to edit, and I've made a few mistakes along the way. Uh, and most commonly, the uh, problem is with bad audio. Sometimes you just can't do anything about it. You know, if you have a guest and they're dropping out due to bad Wi-Fi, or they forgot to use headphones and you're getting really bad feedback, do you just drop them, or do you use the bad audio? You just have to make a decision, and sometimes I've just had to go with the uh, audio. And what was interesting in COVID was that all podcasts had to record remotely for a while and it was a real leveller. I don't know if you remember that uh, interview on the BBC where the guy's daughter walked in. You know, that was big news at the time, but now everybody's been on a Zoom uh, that's gone wrong. So occasionally you might hear dogs or cars or workmen or school kids on the background. That's something that's just a bit normal now. I did mention COVID though. Uh, back in March 2020, I really thought the ski industry might uh, never recover. When we couldn't travel, uh, the podcast genuinely helped me get through 2020 and 2021. Uh, it was so important to my mental health to be in contact with people in the in the Alps uh, when it wasn't necessarily possible to go out there. And, you know, talking to people about anything uh, helps uh, in, in terms of mental health. Uh, for me, uh, more than anything, I realised how lucky I was to have the podcast uh, there just to enable me to uh, have that contact. And hopefully, I think during that period, uh, a number of listeners came to us who were missing their skiing and were able to enjoy it vicariously as well. Uh, so I like to think that it helped me and maybe some other people as well. Now, on a more positive note, I've met a lot of different uh, kind of celebrities uh, over the years. Uh, there have been lots of Olympians, uh, Graham Bell, his brother Martin Bell, Chemi Alcott, uh, Emily Sarsfield is on regularly, Dave Riding, such a nice guy. I've met Paralympians, uh, Millie Knight. Uh, recently, I spoke to uh, Permin Zabrigan, who was one of my racing heroes when I was a kid. Uh, one of the highlights definitely was meeting um, Eddie the Eagle Edwards. He was so nice, really entertaining. You know, I'd love to interview him again at some point. In relation to the film itself, uh, I think I read somewhere that Taron Edgerton kind of met you beforehand and, and you were actually quite impressed with his portrayal in terms of how he picked up your mannerisms and things absolutely because Taron wanted to get an idea of my accent and my mannerisms and so I, I went down to Pinewood Studios met him there sat with him for a good after, old afternoon early evening um, drinking tea and eating biscuits and cake and just having chat um, and uh, and he, he picked up my accent my mannerisms and everything and he must have watched a lot of video yeah. from the Olympic Games because everything I did at Calgary he did in the movie um, and he did an amazing job and I couldn't believe how much he looked like I look 30 years ago. <laughs> he had the jaw, the moustache, the glasses, the hair and he sounded and acted just like me. It was, yeah. it was unreal and um, I was invited out on set in Garmisch where they did a lot of the yeah. filming and I walked out on set and my jaw just dropped when, when Taron turned round and he looked just like me. I went, oh my God. And then of course Hugh Jackman as well and he turned round and he said, Eddie, I want a selfie. And he came rushing out and went, oh my God, this guy, this, this movie superstar. Yeah. And I wanted a selfie. And so it was really nice, really nice guy. I've been lucky enough to interview our medal winners at the Olympics, Billy Morgan, uh, Jenny Jones, uh, Izzy Atkin, Zoe Atkin. In fact, all of the riders in the uh, current freestyle setup, led by uh, the coach Pat Sharples. And I've known Pat for many years. There's a really good special interview that you can listen to with him. Uh, also, 
some of the other people I've known for a long time in the industry. Uh, Warren Smith, uh, we've got a special with him. Tony McWilliam, who founded Faction Skis. Jim Adlington, who founded Planks Clothing. I really enjoyed the interviews I did with Andrew Maxwell and Marcus Brigstock about the uh, LT Comedy Festival. That was really interesting, really amusing. Uh, And you know what? I've even interviewed Roger Federer. And tell us, Roger, have you seen much of Switzerland yourself? And have you ever been skiing there? Of course, I went all around Switzerland as a as a kid with my parents. They were big uh, hikers. Uh, I remember a lot in Appenzell. We used to go there a lot. Then skiing, as we're from Basel, we didn't go always to one particular place uh, because we had Fasnacht, which is the big carnival in Switzerland. And then we would go to different ski resorts um, every other year. Uh, other favourite features that I've uh, recorded over time, Steve Cross. You might remember him. He was a guy who built a chairlift in his garden during lockdown for his kids. I absolutely love that interview. You may not have heard Steve Cross, but there's a quite a good chance that you'll have actually seen him because he is a guy who um, created uh, that amazing uh, video that you probably have seen of a, a kind of chairlift in a garden for his two daughters. Firstly, Steve, can I just say, I mean, that was, it was just so joyful watching that video. You know, I absolutely just loved it. And, and clearly I wasn't alone. I mean, I think millions of people around the world have seen it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, I wasn't expecting it to be, I mean, we just put it up on, up on social media so that kind of friends and family uh, could see it. And I've just been absolutely blown away with um, how, uh, how viral it went and uh, where it's ended up. Well, it's gone around the world, for sure. There's no doubt. I mean, I wouldn't have a clue how many people have seen it overall, but that one had had 14 million views. Mm-hmm. And I know it was in the Daily Mail and, you know, places all over the world. You know, famous, but without necessarily people knowing your name. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and the, the way it works, well, the power <laughs> comes from you. You have to pull them up every time. Was that hard work? It, yeah, it was. I mean, the first time uh, that I did it, it, um, it, it seemed to work okay. Um, it did seem so. Uh, the kids loved it. So, I mean, for, for about two weeks, for the two weeks of Easter, they were pretty much on it every night. Starting to get aching hands rather than kind of aching muscles was the thing I was finding. Okay. Uh, making it difficult. Well, yeah. brilliant. And, and what I'd really like to know, I guess our listeners would like to know as well, is did they all get on the end of the rope and haul you up there? Have you had, have you had a go in it? Well, we we uh, no, uh, we uh, we tested it before I put the kids on it. I threw some weights and some sandbags on it, and we tested it up to uh, about right. 50, 50 kilos. Yeah. So a fairly safe weight to put the kids on, but I didn't test it any higher than that. I wasn't uh, uh, <laughs> I wasn't gung ho enough to see if if uh, if it would work. Because uh, obviously it, it doesn't have a break, so if you let, let go, if they did let go of the rope pulling me up, I would have shot backwards fairly quickly. So yeah, yeah. didn't get a chance to do it myself. <laughs> that wouldn't have looked so good on video. No. <laughs> uh, also. Perhaps the most inspiring one that uh, I've been lucky enough to do was with a guy called Antoine Motillon. Uh, he's a paraplegic peace basher driver. Uh, he works in Courcheval, and Courcheval adapted his, uh, his snow groomer so that he could get into it from his wheelchair and uh, drive it. Maybe more than anything, it's stories like this that I really appreciate having the opportunity to share and to meet people like Antoine. En fait, c'était un rêve d'enfant. Oui. Well, he's been a snow groomer, driver. 
he is a, a pilot of uh, gliders and he became an instructor. And it was when he was flying over the mountain near Pralu and he saw the groomers, it reminded him of, uh, of the fact that, you know, when he was younger, he always had that idea of being a, a, a peace basher driver. And um, what happened after that is um, he ended up uh, getting in contact with the, uh, the manufacturer, Caspora. And uh, Caspora, you know, were very enthusiastic about the concept of being able to, uh, you know, adapt one of their uh, machines uh, so that it would be possible for, uh, um, you know, someone who doesn't have use of their legs to be able to drive it. Um, actually, he was talking there about how the job is very different from, uh, from uh, other jobs. Uh, but um, he had actually done a trial with uh, Courcheval for six weeks, and they decided uh, that it was going to work. And uh, they had to adapt the machine uh, slightly. So his job is, you know, very, very, it's exactly the same as everyone else is working on the machines. But in his particular machine itself, instead of a steering wheel, they ha he has sticks on the left-hand side, which allows him to uh, change the direction forward, back, uh, left or right. And with the accelerator on the right-hand side, it's controlled by hand as well, uh, instead of a foot accelerator, which is actually still fitted in the vehicle because he shares that vehicle with someone else who drives it on the other ship, which is, um, I think, from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. or something like that. Um, the other significant difference with how the vehicle has been set up is that uh, there's a hydraulic uh, attachment on the outside that uh, comes around and allows him to get in and out of the cab and down into uh, into his uh, uh, into his uh, uh, wheelchair again. Uh, but you know he loves that job. You know he's outside throughout the night. Everyone else is asleep. He's out there and he sees uh, you know incredible things on the mountain. When he talks about it, he's clearly very inspired by the uh, the job itself. You know, so I asked him uh, about that and you know what. What other potential there might be? Right. He's saying, you know, the best thing for him about that uh, job itself is he does exactly the same work as the other drivers, um, and you know, it's it's a quality. But what you know really appeals to him is the fact that he's able to forget about being a, a handicapped. You know, while he is driving, because you know when he's back in the station, you know he is in a, in a wheelchair, but in the machine, he's just like everyone else. Now, I'd like to thank everybody who's contributed uh, to the podcast over these five years and these hundred regular uh, episodes. I've had loads of snow reports from different people. I've had so many people appear on the show, and like thank all of those uh, uh, guests. Obviously, Jim, my co-founder, and you know, I'd like to thank those people who contributed commercially. I'd like to thank uh, Intersport and uh, Battleface, who are both commercial partners, but especially uh, Switzerland Tourism. Uh, I really love the chance to discover Switzerland a little bit more, and I've loved featuring it. Uh, but, you know, after three years, we've come to a mutual decision to bring that uh, partnership to an end. But I'm delighted to confirm that from episode 101 onwards, our new sponsor is, drumroll, the world's largest ski area, Les Travalais. And uh, just going to include a short interview with uh, the director of Les Travalais, Olivier Desauti. Great. Well, uh, I'm delighted to be here just now with uh, Olivier Desauti, director of uh, Les Travalais. Uh, hi, Olivier. How are you? Hi, Anne. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. 
Excellent. Um, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. This is episode 100, and I promised our listeners there would be a big announcement. And I'm delighted to announce that Les Trois Valets are going to uh, be the main sponsor of the ski podcast, uh, starting from this episode uh, going onwards. So I wanted to invite you on the show, Olivier, uh, just to say hello to all of our listeners. And also, I'm pretty sure everybody will know uh, Les Trois Valets is the largest ski area uh, in the world. I'm quite lucky because I worked there for four seasons, uh, three in Maribel Monterey and, and one in Courcheval. So I know the area pretty well. This winter is going to be a really big winter for Les Trois Valets. Because in February time, the World Championships, World Alpine Ski Championships are going to be held there. I wondered how the area is preparing for that. Is that the main event for you? Is that what you're most excited about, Olivier? Yes, because it's quite uncommon. It's very special this year with the championship. It's exceptional. And we we think with the championship, it's a worldwide uh, opportunity for us to be to be known by lots of people as you said, and the largest skiing area in the world. Yeah, well, the focus of the world will be on Les Trois Valets at that point. But you know, yeah. during the course of the podcast, over this winter, and, and in fact, all through all four seasons, uh, because it's a place that you can go to all year round, uh, we're going to be covering lots of features. I'm going to be traveling out there by train. I know that's quite an important thing to you. And I think, Olivia, I'm right in saying that with the direct train this winter it's possible to go to some more resorts than last year is that right yes in the three valleys you'll be able uh, to go directly to all the resorts of the three valleys it's an agreement we have with the with these two operator so it's a good thing for us and also i know there's another big announcement that's coming up uh, this season Les trois valets is going to have a travel agency service as well where people from all over the world will be able to book uh, accommodation and packages direct with you. And I believe I'm right in saying that that is launching today. Is that right? Yes, that's right. It's a big news for us. It's the first time we launch our travel agency. It means that everybody in the world can book on letroisvalets.com. That's very important for us. And as you probably said already, Jan, we want now to sell... Uh, some journeys all year long and we decided it was a good opportunity for us to try to sell during winter but on, on, not only during winter. Yeah and well I think that's one of the things I mean I love the mountains all year round and you know I love going out in uh, in summer actually I've just been out the Alps myself in autumn and it's also one of the best times to go because it's a bit quieter and in between seasons it's still a wonderful time to be in the Alps so this winter I'm looking forward to traveling to Le Valais. I'm hoping to go to Val Terrens to look at their new sports center in December and we'll see what else we can put together I'd like to thank you very much for supporting the podcast Olivier and giving us your time today we look forward to a great season together. Thank you merci beaucoup so listener thanks for joining us so far on your journey if by chance this is the first episode you've ever listened to there are over 150 episodes uh, out there uh, and i'm extremely proud of what i've created over the last five years you know every week between 75 and 100 episodes get listened to so feel free to catch up if you'd like uh, or if you'd like to uh, share the journey with us over the next 100 or more episodes, then make sure you subscribe. So thanks for your time today and check your feed for our next episode coming soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ski Podcast. 
Don't forget that if you want to support the podcast, then remember to book your ski hire with Intersport and use the code SKIPODCAST or simply take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Thanks again and have a great winter.